Hi, and welcome to Learning and Development 101. I'm your host, Joe, and today I am joined by quite an exceptional guest uh, at this stage, uh, Martina uh, Kubikova. Now, I hope I pronounced your last name right, Martina. Um, come on, join us and uh, well, give us a little introduction as to who you are, and then we'll talk about today's subject of choice. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. Um, so yeah, my name is Martina. Uh, I am a 27-year-old professional, uh, originally from the Czech Republic. And at the moment, I find myself just at the beginning of my learning and development career. Um, after um, undergoing a career change very recently. So um, here to really mainly, I would say, talk about my experience um, with the switch uh, of the roles my experience early on uh, in the career and then obviously over the next uh, episodes, I would say, answer Joe's questions about how I'm getting on and where, where it's leading me. Um, but yeah, my background is mainly in customer services, client success. I've got five years of experience under the belt. Um, however, uh, I did reach a point earlier this year um, where I thought um, it gave me everything that it could have given me. Uh, and I was looking to switch over to something that I'm a bit more passionate about um, as training, um, professional development, um, helping individuals achieve their potential has always been my number one priority. Um, so uh, I found myself listening to the podcast as well, <laughs> looking for the role and that let me hear uh, to where we are today. Fantastic stuff. So as, as you may have guessed, everyone, uh, today's topic is actually Martina herself. Um, what we're trying to do is introduce a look at life uh, sort of sub-segment to, to the podcast. Um, and every couple of weeks, we'll, we'll get in touch with Martina and just follow her career and progression. So long as uh, you're willing, Martina, and um, you know, you're happy. That's, that's the, the biggest thing. So long as you're always happy to do this, then we are always happy to accommodate. And you've kind of really hit a really powerful point to start with and that was passion and what is it about the L&D space or the performance of the training space that drives you in that passion? I think for me it's always been about growth um, and learning and trying new things um, but also I think we do a lot of growth and we do a lot of development in our personal lives um, but um, from the professional perspective, since we spend so much time at work, um, it's something that I've always felt was really important. Um, and my first experience, my first very positive experience with L&D and with training um, was actually on the receiving end. So when I first started my customer service career, um, I underwent training in booking.com and the trainers were amazing, um, had such a really, such a great group. Um, I felt really supported. It was my first job ever, a fresh, fresh out of uni. And I really thought that I couldn't have been given a better, better start and better support. So I think that's where I first discovered that this is how I want to make people feel. Um, this is, this is the world that I want to be in. Um, and then after with a little detour over the years, uh, that's obviously what I'm trying to achieve at the moment. Excellent. And you, you kind of, fallen outside of the regular group of how trainers get into the job of training you know typically we just fall into it um and then we kind of just 
get offered the job, but you're actively, or rather you have actively looked for a position within the, the LMD space. Um, and your, your current role is um, a learning coordinator um, okay. and you've been doing it for a month now. Um, how do you feel in, in the role? Like, is it what you thought it would be? Is it, you know, now that you're on the other side of that coin, the other side of the glass, so to speak, how does it, how does it stand up? So the experience so far has been really positive. Um, and I am, even though I'm a coordinator, well, not even though, because I'm a coordinator, um, I have a chance to be involved in many different um, areas of L&D. And I have a chance to um, learn from experienced colleagues and really start to fully understand what L&D is about from multiple different angles. Whilst at the same time, I would say it's really playing to my strengths from my acquiring my previous roles, um, which would be obviously organization skills, uh, planning, um, stakeholder management, um, really active communication, um, bridging communication between teams and between departments. So from this point of view, personally, I would say uh, I found the right way in because it was not my first choice. Uh, I would say my first choice was trying to become a trainer, customer service trainer, operational trainer. Um, but when I was interviewing, when I was applying, um, I wasn't really getting anywhere. And I think maybe it's because I didn't necessarily realize that my strongest skills were not within training and that's when not I did not have the most experience within training, or maybe I didn't know how to sell myself, uh, what kind of vocabulary to use during the interviews. Um, so I wasn't really making that much of an impression on interviewers. Um, so I kind of had to stop and think again about what it is that I'm the best at, what it is that I can really do. And it led me into planning, coordinating, managing, um, and yeah, it worked. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Um, and that's a, that's a really um, quite a fine point to, to bring up because you weren't, say able, but you weren't in a position to slip into the, the trainer's role. You know, you looked for something within the L&D space to really be involved, so still follow that passion. Um, and that really brings about the the conversation of transferable skills now mm -hmm. i know you know you kind of mentioned it you know within the customer service environment I know from our previous conversations but you've got quite a lot of transferable skills when it comes to the coordinator's role um so I was wondering, could you just give us a quick rundown of what the coordinator's role is you know what's mm -hmm. expected of you and how your previous experience has sort of fed into that so for our listeners who are thinking of getting into the space do they have some of these skills that you talk about mm -hmm. um so the role um that i'm in is a brand new role um in the business that i work i'm working for at the moment um and essentially i was brought in to help them uh, manage or coordinate quite a large volume uh, customer service inductions or operations inductions as well as they are going through a phase of quite exciting growth, um, increasing the number of people um, in their intakes. Um, so at the moment, um, it's very much in the stage of 
still understanding the systems, understanding the current processes that are in place, um, whilst I'm already um, taking off some of the administrative tasks off um, the hands of the performance coaches, of the trainers and the other people in the L&D team. Um, I'm at the moment responsible of um, setting up new advisors on the systems, um, obviously booking uh, all the necessary training sessions, um, looking at uh, feedback evalu evaluation uh, for those sessions, and kind of getting to the end goal, um, which is being able to um, automate quite a lot of the processes that are manual at the moment. Um, so again, that's where my experience um, is, is quite quite helpful um, because I'm very process-oriented person um, and, and as an outsider as well, uh, I, I would say from a different background, being able to come in um, and not just fall into the way that that's how things are done and that's how it's going to be, but actually being encouraged to look at things from a critical point of view, um, offer some improvement suggestions um, and work with obviously my, my manager, which is the learning programs manager, on making sure that performance coaches can uh, focus on coaching whilst everything else in the background is they don't have to worry about. So in, in terms of, well, to answer the, the other half of your question about the, the previous experience, um, I, I have one and a half years of uh, management managerial experience um, uh, where in quite a busy customer service environment, I had to um, manage, coordinate uh, schedules, uh, to, um, to make sure that uh, we provide sufficient service levels. Um, in my most recent role, um, I was working in operations, actually uh, scheduling, um, coordinating uh, courses um, for our coaches and our facilitators as well, making sure that obviously we've got um, someone to cover, um, be prepared if anyone is not available, um, come up with backup plans, uh, et cetera. I would say, those are the main skills that I'm currently utilizing. And then of course, of course I would say, being able to um, work with data, with Excel, um, being able to um, spot trends, um, look for reasons uh, why things are happening. Um, so, so quite a lot of kind of uncovering what's going on uh, behind the numbers, I would say. Yeah, uh, it sounds like, you were already built for the the coordinator's role just naturally through through previous work and that's that's what I, I like to see and what I'm hoping our listeners picked up on as well is that just because you're not directly involved in any sort of training role or development role or, or you know personal growth role you're always doing something that translates to that particular role you know you mentioned about the scheduling is obviously a big part of the learning coordinator's role but being able to schedule you know un underlings so to speak <laughs> um that's obviously a big part when it comes to um transferring it across so i guess the real sort of question is is there anything that's been considered a challenge or perhaps something that hasn't worked out from the dream like is there something that's been a bit of a reality check for you um i wouldn't say necessarily now in the role um i think um 
it's probably going back to the the process of looking for a role um, because when I first started looking, as I said, my my idea was to become a trainer. Um, I was I was thinking I'm going to be able to build on um, the training experience that I had because as a team manager, as a team leader, I was also directly involved in creating some onboarding programs and then obviously delivering the training to my new starters uh, um, as, as, their, as their leader. Um, and that's that, that's what I thought where my passion was. Um, that, that's where I really could picture myself being in front of um, the induction group, uh, being directly involved in the kind of process of seeing that person grow um, and being able to say, I've made this happen or I've made this possible partially at the beginning of, of their journey with the business. Um, but I think uh, I managed to get over that uh, disappointment quite quickly because um, I think in the end I realized I am in L&D now and the fact that I had a vision of what it's going to look like, um, things change. Um, and the way I see it at the moment, and it's actually something uh, one, one of the people um, in the business mentioned to me recently, which was quite a good advice, uh, is to not to focus on a specific role mm -hmm. within L&D, uh, but focus on the skills that I have. Um, approach it with an open mind, uh, build the skills that I already have, but also obviously always be keen to acquire new skills, uh, learn, evolve, reflect, and look for not not a title but look for a collection of skills and then see if there is a title if there is a role that i could i'm sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna start again there <laughs> if there is a if there is a role um already that involves those skills or if we could maybe come up with a role yeah that might involve those skills yeah i totally understand that it's um Actually, it leads on to, to two sort of questions. I mean, how long how long were you looking for a role within the the L and D space? Rough timeline. Um, I think it was around three months. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I took a voluntary career break for a couple of months, um, and actually, I think when I was leaving my previous job, um, it wasn't such a clear vision that L and D is hundred percent where I'm going to be. But by taking that break and actually allowing myself to take a bit of a step back and actually look at the skill set and look at the things that I enjoyed in the past, L&D kind of surfaced as the, as the only logical option. Um, and when I decided this is what I'm going to focus on, it did actually make me really happy. So I, I felt this is, this, is the way, uh, this is the way forward. And then I was actively looking for about yeah, two, three months, I think. Okay. Um, now that brings it to the to the second part. You mentioned about titles and skill lists there. Now, did you find that there seemed to be somewhat of a disconnect between the job title and the skills? Now, by this I mean you see a training position and you see seven or eight hiring positions. They're looking for a a trainer. But the job skill set that they ask for seems to differ between each job. Do you find that that's quite a, a common problem? Absolutely. Um, and I think um, 
more than that, it's probably uh, that different businesses have different names for the same role. Mm -hmm. So it can be quite challenging um, to find all the opportunities when you don't know all the keywords um, that you want to look for, especially when you're setting up alerts um, to come into your inbox. If you're looking on LinkedIn, uh, it's just figuring out that facilitator, trainer, coach for a lot of different businesses, um, even though there is a different meaning, it, it does actually um, describe the same role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would also say it's um, quite a massive difference in terms of the expectation um, and the responsibilities um, that each business will have um, for, for that role. So I've seen businesses advertise roles for um, learning facilitator, and there would be 20 things on the list, essentially covering a whole spectrum from design, uh, delivery, uh, coordination, the whole package. Not necessarily that the salary would be <laughs> reflecting <laughs> what they were asking yeah. for. Um, but then, uh, and I would say it's probably with larger businesses in general, um, you will see that it's very segmented um, and you go train a role. It really is all about training and delivery. You've got a coordinator role, um, you've got a design role and so on. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, with that in mind, the, the company that you've applied for now, is it quite a big company or? It is quite a big company. Yeah. So really, I guess something that our, our listeners could um potentially take away from this is that the size of the company matters to mm-hmm. the job requirements and as you say the the segmentation of the role itself um whereas the smaller companies although they may be asking for the title of let's say trainer they're actually looking for a lot more in terms of facilitator coordinator you know that sort of um things like budget manager or anything like that um and kind the, of a unicorn I yeah would say. yeah definitely and so that's that's obviously a very very hard space to get into um and I, th- I figure that you know if you wanted to get into the smaller companies you'd have to start in the bigger companies and and then kind of shoehorn your way into the smaller companies which sounds really weird um mm-hmm. for me a job perspective because any other role you would go for you start from a small company and work your way up to the bigger company um and i think it'd be fair to say that your recommendation would be that you look at the job t- the uh, job skill set that's asking for rather than the job title so just because exactly. it says you know coordinator or trainer doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that so um exactly but then equally i would say you I would recommend that if you see, um, as I said, if they're asking for 15 things, um, but you feel like you're only capable of doing 10, don't let that stop you from applying for the role um, because there is no such thing as perfect candidates. No one ticks all the boxes um, unless it's a, as we said, a very specific role with a very specific skill set. But if it's something so broad, I do think that generally they will be a bit more open-minded, um, at least to consider your CV and maybe invite you for an interview. Yeah. Um, so with that that in mind then, um, where did you seem to have the most success when it came to looking for roles? Um, was it predominantly through LinkedIn or was it through job board searches or just even Google? Uh, definitely LinkedIn. Um, so I'm, I'm quite active on LinkedIn, um, just 
for various reasons, networking has always been a big part of everything that I did um, uh, in, in the past. Um, I think first started when I had a brief gig uh, in recruitment on a secondment basis. Um, so that's when I first really started using LinkedIn and seeing the power for my previous role um, in my old company. I was um, headhunted on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I think generally that's where I've seen most of the interesting roles. Um, I was looking at some, uh, I did look uh, at some job boards as well, but generally it was the same roles that I could also see mm -hmm. on LinkedIn and LinkedIn had extra roles on top of those. Okay, awesome. So anyone who's listening, if you're a bit of a, a fan or even new to LinkedIn, then definitely, definitely um, invest in um, it. Make make sure that you've got your uh, profile up to date, um, mm -hmm. that you do your research in terms of uh, keywords um, that you again highlight the skills that you think you're going to or that the recruiters might be might be looking for um, to hit the searches um, and then um, set up some automatic alerts for jobs um, so you don't you don't have to always go and search yourself but mm -hmm. usually what LinkedIn does um, every day or however often you decide they will send you um, whatever alerts you set up um so it makes it a lot easier um than to go and apply awesome uh curious um did you actually reach out to anyone at the the company you applied for to get a bit of an understanding or is that just like something someone's you know like recruiters suggest and it's like mm, you don't really need to do that so not for the not for the role that i uh, ended up getting uh but as i went through the interview process with a couple of other businesses before um once i kind of got through that uh, initial screening stage with the recruiter um i would usually not necessarily reach out but have a little snoop around uh if i knew who was interviewing me i would find them on linkedin um see about their background how long they've been with the business and what they did before um and obviously together with the research about the company itself um that would very often inspire me to maybe ask some questions uh at the end of the interview that would be not just specific to the role but also to the person who was interviewing me mm -hmm. awesome um so we're kind of sort of just drawing to an end here and before i obviously ask for that final question about you know what would you suggest if no one's listened um to a word we've said um i'm curious to know what you feel will be your biggest challenge over the next 12 months? My biggest challenge over the next 12 months. Um, so first thing that comes to mind is that my role is actually on a permanent contract for the next 12 months. Okay. Um, so um, what I need to do, or I've, I've got a bit of a difficult situation where the goal of my role is to make sure that within the ideally next six months, we don't actually need a learning coordinator doing okay. all the manual jobs in the background. <laughs> so um, I think it will be proving myself and again, showing that the skill set that I have, once I've achieved the goal of my role, is so invaluable that the business will want to keep me on uh, and will be happy to consider me for, for other options. So that's definitely from the personal uh, perspective in terms of the role itself. Um, I think the biggest challenges are probably going to be the volumes of the inductions that we're expecting uh, and the amount of data that we work with, um, understanding what we need to track, what we can get rid of. Um, and generally, I would say 
increasing my understanding of the broader L&D department um, to make sure that any changes that we work on, that we any process improvements, not just benefit us as a department, but obviously, most importantly, that they benefit the individuals in their roles and then also their respective teams. Yeah, so uh, it really sounds like you're trying to do yourself out of a job. <laughs> but uh, it will be interesting to see where we are in, in a year's time from here. Um, and hopefully if this is a, a regular occurrence, we'll see that that growth and that change. Um, so then the final question is, you know, assuming no one's listened to, to us talk for the last 20 odd minutes, um, what's something you want the listeners to take away from today? Do the, be brave enough and take the leap. Um, if you feel like it's what you're passionate about um, and it doesn't apply just to L&D, any, any career change, if you feel like that's what your heart is, don't be afraid to make the change. The other, the other uh, piece of advice, definitely um, don't look for role titles, but look for what works with your skill set. Um, so think about your transferable skills. Um, and last piece of advice, um, definitely utilize LinkedIn. Um, and one thing that I probably didn't mention um, over the course of our conversation would be networking and uh, reach out to L&D professionals um, like yourself, Joe, because obviously <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how I got here. Uh, started listening to your podcast, um, which helped me prepare for my interviews, help me understand what it actually is like first end um, working with an L&D, um, the skills as well. Um, and then um, through some obviously connections from my previous role, um, I had some really interesting conversations um, with trainers, um, with people in different L&D roles as well. Um, so find someone who has the time and don't be afraid to ask questions uh and uh yeah build those relationships excellent excellent and obviously thank you very much for you know being so kind about the podcast um i would love i'll echo what you said in the transferable skills are not necessarily what you think they are um you can always find something within yourself that translates to anything that you apply for it comes down to breaking it down to its base components so where we talk about the um, you know 15 or 20 different skill sets that companies ask for within the training world no matter what it is you can always break it down to three or four basic components and I'm sure you could apply something within yourself or from previous jobs jobs uh, to that role in particular um, Martina I want to thank you very much for, for joining um, today and I wholeheartedly look forward to um, our next conversation uh, well, we might even talk a bit more about that networking that you briefly mentioned um, there. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, get in touch, uh, please do so at lnd101podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at learning underscore and underscore development underscore 101. Again, LinkedIn, you can reach out to myself and or Martina. Uh, I'm sure Martina will be glad to um, point you in the right direction, but it'll probably just be back to the podcast. Um, and lastly, if you feel like supporting the show, uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash learning and development 101. 
I'm your host, Joe. This has been Martina. Thank you very, very much for your time tonight, and we'll catch you in the next episode.